The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Tennessee, Virginia, Arizona, Louisiana, and New York. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, Winbet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $10, and get $200 in free bets. Download the Winbet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We'll support you by PropStop, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use a promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropStop.com or download the PropStop app. We're also brought to you by Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-belt grooming. Use the promo code SGP at Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. We're also brought to you by Stable Jewel. Stable Jewel is a horse racing DFS app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 with one entry. Head over to StableJewel.com and get started today. Also, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and all of our free podcasts. Fuck 
just be the moment. That's the best bit of football we've seen all, all afternoon. Returning to Pogba, and here's Bruno Fernandes. Still going, Ronaldo, and it's blocked by his own man. Beginning to look as if it might not be United's day. You are listening to Bet MUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Bet MUFC Twitter account. It's at Bet MUFC, at Bet MUFC. Also follow the Twitter account for the Soccer Gambling Podcast. It's at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. Also follow the Twitter account for LockBetting.com. It's at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. That is my premium pay service that has delivered clients 105 months in a row of transparent track profit. We are just three months away from being able to say we are undefeated for nine years. And for nine years, we haven't had a single losing month in sports betting. If we are able to achieve it, you can come aboard the journey for number month number 100. As we try to get there to nine years undefeated. This is a big month for sports action. We have all of the domestic soccer. We have Champions League, Europa League. We have boxing. We have UFC. We have tennis. We have um, WWE WrestleMania coming in April, but we'll be releasing plays in March. And we have AEW this weekend as well for the wrestling. So, so much content coming up in the month of March. You can get involved over at lockbetting.com. And of course, we're releasing NBA plays every single night and we haven't had a single losing day in the NBA in March. We are making serious profits in the NBA. So if you want to come on board, that is lockbetting.com. If you want to see some spreadsheets, go to the Twitter account at lockbetting.com. That's at lockbetting.com and look at the pin tweet. The pin tweet is the PL for the month of January. That will soon be getting changed for the month of February. But if you click and have a look at it, you'll be able to see the spreadsheet for January. And if you go down to the bottom, you'll see some tags that say things like uh, NBA, tennis, NFL, football, soccer, etc. One of them will say PL. By clicking this, it will take you down to all of the previous PL so you can have a check and see what we've done. You'll see comments underneath all of those posts. That's why I use Patreon because it allows members to interact and you will see that is 100% legit members of comment and they will verify the fact that we have delivered 105 months in a row of transparent track profit. Also, look carefully at the spreadsheets. Look at the type of plays we do. We don't do anything silly like um, five unit maxes or 20 unit super whales or whatever these clowns are doing on Twitter. This is all legitimate staking. It's all sensible staking and if you do it right you should be able to generate a second income over at lockbetting.com the service that has delivered 105 months in a row of transparent track profit Moving on with this edition of Bet MUFC at the top of the show, we heard a review or a, or a look back at Man United's game against Watford. I was at this game. It was one of the most frustrating games that I've ever, ever been to. How we didn't score in this game, I don't understand. Obviously, some things went against us. Cristiano Ronaldo playing on to set up Bruno Fernandes when he was tripped by the goalkeeper. Had he gone down, had he not been so honest, that should have been a penalty. But if there's no advantage gained, you should give a penalty anyway. There was also another penalty on Ronaldo in the second half. I feel like referees just aren't giving Ronaldo anything. I feel like he's got some reputation that he hasn't really earned for being some sort of cheater or diver. I think his honesty in the first half proves that, but we didn't get that. But at the same time, bad decisions aside, we should be taking these chances. Uh, Ronaldo being offside as well 
in the first half, that was harsh, but that's just the way things are. We can talk about offsides all day. We can talk about how Chelsea should have won the Carabao Cup because Lukaku was offside and how we've reached this point of the season. And it's different from the early season where we were talking about clear, thick lines and offside being... Um, clear and obvious and without any doubt. And now suddenly it's all become marginal again as we reach this vital point of the season. And again, I don't want to complain about that. I will go back to the chances. We should be taking these chances, but I'm going to take a positive out of it and say we are creating these chances and we can't continue to miss these chances game after game. Should these players be scoring? Should players the calibre of Alanga and Fernandez, especially and Cristiano Ronaldo be scoring these goals? Should we be putting Watford to bed? Yeah. And on another day, we may have won this game 4-5-0 but we didn't and now we are in big trouble for the top four it wasn't helped by Arsenal getting a positive result and now Arsenal are the clear clear favourites to finish in the top four but I still feel everything is up for grabs I still feel we can go to the Emirates and win and uh, I still feel that Arsenal could drop more points Arsenal are playing away to Watford tomorrow and I'm not expecting Arsenal to drop any points there but you never know with the EPL you never know how soccer's gone this weekend it's been a really bad weekend for us to be honest we we missed a lock on the EPL show we missed a lock on the Serie A or Mesa Italia show so uh, soccer's been rough actually for the last couple of weeks it's one of my worst runs in soccer and today was possibly my worst day so we are looking for a big turnaround on Sunday and we look to make some money with the Manchester Derby before we start breaking down the Manchester Derby uh, let's hear what Ralph Ragnick has to say about the upcoming game tomorrow against Manchester City speaking to you ahead of the Palace game, your first game in charge, and you were excited having looked at the squad from the outside, and indeed the club. Is it everything you thought it would be? Do you think the expectation's bigger than you thought it would be? How how tough has the challenge been to come in mid-season? Well, I mean, the expectations, the level of expectations in the club, like Manchester United, are always big, and, and I can fully understand that they are big, but you also have to face reality, and... Uh, I think when I came, we were eighth in the table and uh, had a point average of 1.4 or 5. So um, there were some reasons why there was a change of, 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 of head coach and manager. Um, and we had to just make sure that we get better in those in those areas. And I think we've done so. I think we developed the team, which is quite obvious. We uh, didn't concede as, as, as many goals as they did before, before I came. That was obvious uh, that we needed to take care of that and I think we've improved that uh, and we've improved as a team in that area Um, but uh, obviously it's also about winning games and uh, I think we should have four if not six points more we dropped too many points with draws when we were one or two nil ahead we're also wasting too many big opportunities uh, to score and uh, this is why we only have two points per, on, on, per game on average and not 2.3 or 4, which we could easily have. We have another 11 games to play in the Premier League and hopefully some games to be played in, in, in the Champions League and that's what we are doing now. And for someone who's been in the game as long as you have, when you look at City over the last five years in the Premier League, where, where, where are they? How good are they and how good have they been? They are top of the league. This is where they are, and they are always in the last four or eight minimum in the in the in, in, in the Champions League. We are playing against one of the best teams in the world, against one of the best uh, managers in the world, who has in the last six years developed that team uh, according to how he wants to play. 
And uh, yeah, we are fully aware that this is a, a massive game, not only for, for us as a club, but also for our players and even more so for our supporters. Um, yeah, and we have to be ready for that game. We have to rise to the occasion, as you, as you say. And uh, it will be about having control, making the best out of the transitional moments, uh, defending their transitional moments. Um, and this is the most important part of it. And taking our chances, obviously. Yeah. What could a derby win do, not just for the supporters in, in the city, but for your, for your season in terms of those remaining games? Since we have dropped a few points uh, unnecessarily, now we have to also win points against the big teams. And we have a few of those games coming up in, the, in those remaining 11 games. And we need to be aware that we have to win some of those games, uh, uh, not only the ones that we are expected to win, but now we also have to win and gain points in games where we are not the favourites and when, where nobody expects from the start uh, that we win those games. And this is one, one first example um, of course, we know that it won't be easy to, 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 to take three points from there. But it's not impossible. Other teams have shown that. Tottenham won there. Crystal Palace did. Even Leipzig in the Champions League beat them uh, in Leipzig. So we know that we need a top performance. But we also know that if we do that, then we have a good chance or at least a chance to take the three points there. Yeah, so that's what Ralph had to say. On top of that, it's been reported, although I couldn't find the audio, that he said that he wasn't going to sit back tomorrow against Manchester City and play on the counter-attack and allow them to have large periods of possession with the ball. He said that one of the things he's done at Man United is that we are having more possession of the ball and we are completely controlling games and he's not just going to hand the control over to Manchester City. I'm paraphrasing somewhat because I couldn't find an exact quote and uh, I couldn't find that via the press conference footage that I watched, but it is being reported on Twitter, on social media, and in various reports that that has been said. Not that that's a largely controversial thing to say, but that's a brave statement to make when you're make when you're when you're playing up against Manchester City to say that we're not just going to sit back, we're going to try and go at them, we're going to press them high, we're going to try and have equal amounts of possession with the ball, we're going to try and control the game. Um, obviously, as I said once again, I'm paraphrasing. That may not be exactly what was said but it was words to that effect so brave statements there from Ralph Ragnick I'm really fascinated to see how this plays out and fascinated by team selection and one of the things that I wanted to go into here where we're breaking down this game before we look at the odds is the fact that when you do a combined 11 first of all let's identify the fact that a combined 11 is massively opinion it's, there's no facts involved at all. If somebody says that Manchester United should have all 11 players in a combined 11 of a Manchester City, in a lot of people's opinion, they would be stupid. But they're not factually incorrect because there is no way to identify who's right and who's wrong unless you're picking it solely on uh, statistical data. Unless you're solely picking it on stats and you say this is a stats-based combined 11, there is no right or wrong. But in my opinion, and I don't think many people would disagree with this, a lot of Manchester United players would get into a Manchester City eleven. It's not the strength of the Manchester City players that make them great. It's the way that they play together. It's the style of play implemented by Pep Guardiola. Looking at them for a man, there's many Man United players that you would take and possibly put into the Manchester City side. Let's have a run through and see. Now, 
in the goalkeeper, in the goalkeeping area, it's very, very much up for debate. When you look at David De Gea, I think he's a far better shot stopper, shot stopper than Edison. That's been proven throughout the season and proven over the years when David De Gea has won player of the season and player of the month multiple times for Man United. That shouldn't be happening with a top side like Man United, but it has done. And therefore, I would give the edge to David De Gea. A lot of people would give it to Edison and I understand that because at the moment, a lot of people are into sweeper keepers and they're trying to buy sweeper keepers. But for me, I'll be looking at a shot stopper and you cannot argue that David De Gea is a better shot stopper than Edison. Some people obviously, as I said, want a different element from the goalkeeper. I don't. I'm just looking for him to keep the ball out of the net and David De Gea does that for me better than Edison and he makes a lot less mistakes. I don't like Edison being caught out of his goal and needlessly letting in goals that are important, especially when you're looking at the mistake that Edison made in the Champions League final when he was out in the middle of nowhere for Kai Havertz's winner, which turned out to be the crucial goal. So once a goalkeeper has almost cost you the Champions League final or a mistake he's made has cost you the Champions League final. I don't trust that goalkeeper to be my goalkeeper. So we spoke at length about this here, but I'm going to go for David De Gea in that position. At right bracket, it's a no-brainer. I don't think Dallow or Wan-Bissaka could make a case to get in ahead of Carl Walker. And same goes for the left-hand side where you're looking at Jao Cancelo for me the best left-back in the world at the moment. Luke Shaw did very well in the Euros, and Luke Shaw is still a top left-back, but I can't make a case for Shaw or Tellis. The full-backs go to Manchester City here in this instance. In the centre-back spot, again, Ruben Diaz comes in as an automatic choice for me. He's one of the three best defenders in the world, but so is Rafa Varane. So he takes the other centre-back spot. So coming out of the defence, we have Manchester City leading 3-2. to two. In midfield, I think the holding position has to go to Rodri. I think Man United are struggling in this position. I don't think Fred or McTominay are good enough. And I think, therefore, Rodri takes the position. Now, when you're looking at the creative midfield players, it's difficult because I think Paul Pogba could be a different player in Manchester City's team. I see a lot of attributes for Paul Pogba that make him a very, very good player. His passing, his shooting, his physicality. Um, he's sometimes in the wrong position. He sometimes does stupid things on the pitch. But I think Paul Pogba with better players around him or players that protect him a lot more would be a lot better. But he doesn't make my team. I've gone for two creative players rather than two holding players. And I've gone for Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes for their consistency. At this point, coming out of the midfield, we have Manchester City 4-3 up. Now, this is very contentious as we move to the forward line because putting Manchester United players in there could be argued with because Man United aren't scoring a lot of goals and Manchester City are. But since Ralph Ragnick took over, Manchester United have created more chances than any other team in the EPL with a total of 100 and 60 chances created since Ralph Ragnick took over. And again, you can argue that if the players aren't putting it in the net, then they shouldn't be in this combined 11. But I've seen a big improvement from a lot of Manchester United players. I can't make a case for Anthony Alanga, and I certainly can't make a case for Marcus Rashford in his form. But Jadon Sancho is showing signs of being the player that we paid for in the summer. I think he would have settled in a little bit quicker at Manchester City. But there's things to get used to with Jadon Sancho. He's not just this pacey winger that you give the ball to. He's a skillful player. He's a player that makes intelligent runs. He's a player that we're finally starting to see the best of. And I don't think we've seen anything yet. I think Jadon Sancho will turn out to be a good signing. And I prefer Jadon Sancho over any of the wingers at Manchester City. I feel like he's got more upside than Jack Grealish. 
I think he's a similar player to Grealish, but I think he's he's going to go on to be a better player. I think Jack Grealish needs a lot of touches on the ball. And I think he's a little bit lost in the Manchester City team where the idea in a Manchester City team is to pass and move as quickly as you can. Keep the ball moving, keep the ball moving. Pep always says the ball moves faster than a man. And that doesn't really suit Jack Grealish's game. And I'm not sure that Jack Grealish is going to be a Manchester City player next season. So it's difficult for me to put Grealish in. We've already not put Bernardo Silva in. We've gone for Bruno Bruno Fernandes over him. I think that would be definitely argued this season. I think Bernardo Silva's had a better season than Bruno Fernandes. However, I think Fernandes has been more consistent over the last two, three years. That's why Silva didn't get in and Silva, for me, doesn't get in as a winger either. So then it just leaves uh, a couple of options here where we're looking at Mares or Sterling. I'm not somebody who rates Raheem Sterling. I think he's massively overrated. I think he's been overrated for a long time. I think he runs into corners sometimes like a headless chicken. I think there's definitely more upside with Riyad Mahrez. So if I'm giving Jaden Sancho one slot out wide, I'm definitely giving the other one to a Manchester City player. And if my choices are Bernardo Silva, Jack Grealish, Riyad Mahrez and Raheem Sterling... I am going to go for Riyad Mahrez. We also got Phil Foden in the conversation as well. But Phil Foden, we don't know his best position at the moment. And I think Pep Guardiola even said it will take a few years for that to develop. At the moment, he can play everywhere. But I'm not looking for a utility player in this team. I'm looking for specialists. And that's why Phil Foden doesn't make my team. And the centre forward for this lineup is going to be Cristiano Ronaldo. Because Manchester City don't have that number nine. They were in for Ronaldo in the summer, but he chose to come back to Man United. He may regret that decision. He may not. But that's how I'm going for my team. So if we add this up overall, we end up with five Manchester United players in this combined eleven and six Manchester City players. The five Man United players, if we go back, David De Gea, that will be a very, very debatable one. Rafa Varane. Bruno Fernandes, Jaden Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo. Again, you'll get a debate on Sancho. You'll get a debate on David De Gea. You may even get a debate on Bruno Fernandes getting in over Bernardo Silva. But the fact that we can have the debate, the fact that we can argue that five, six Man United players should get into this team means that the gap isn't as wide as people think when it comes down to personnel. But Manchester United obviously aren't managed by Pep Guardiola. Manchester City players buy into exactly what Guardiola's doing. And Manchester United at the moment are a bit of a mess. They are a bunch of individuals that can get into combined 11s, but cannot completely play together collectively at the moment. We are seeing signs of improvement. But at the moment, this is a side that's struggling to get into the top four. And if you're not playing Champions League football next season, it's going to be very difficult to attract a top manager and the top players that are going to make this team a little bit more balanced, including that holding midfield position. Yes, we can go and look at someone like Basuma from Brighton. I'm sure that going from Brighton to Man United will be a huge step up in his career. But we want to keep all of our options open. We want to have as many options as we can. We don't want people to say, no, I'm not going to Man United because they're not in the Champions League. That's definitely what we want to avoid next season. So moving on to the actual game... We have Manchester City as the clear two to five favourites to win the game tomorrow. And obviously that makes sense. Manchester City are top of the table and they're looking to get back to six points clear of Liverpool. And they already trounced Man United earlier on in the season at Old Trafford. It was only 2-0, but that was just an embarrassing game. Man United couldn't create any chances. They couldn't even get the ball and Manchester City could have won a lot more comfortably in the end. It was just a keep ball training session in the second half. It's 4-1 to one on the draw 
and Manchester United are the 8-1 to one underdogs here. Looking at the double chance market in this game, which is, of course, for Man United to avoid a defeat. Man United here are available at 21 to 10 to avoid a defeat here in this game. Looking further at the handicap markets, Manchester United getting plus one and a half goals, which is avoiding a two goal defeat. So you can cash this if Man United just lose by a single goal. Man United plus 1.5 is available at eight to 11. And that is a play that interests me because I do think Man United will be able to keep this game close. I'm also interested in both teams to score here, which is available at seven to 10. Because again, I think Manchester United can find a net here in this game. And that's just not support or bias because that's not something I bring to the table. I like to think that I'm very, very balanced. Both teams to score is a play that the statistical data supports as Man United have scored in all of their away trips in the Premier League this season. United's last six away games have also seen both teams scoring. City themselves have scored 34 times in the last 11 matches. With Kevin De Bruyne coming back to form, he scored five goals in his last five home league games. Five of Manchester United's last six Premier League games, though, have had under two and a half goals. And two of Manchester City's last three Premier League games have produced four or more goals. So these two teams are having the very, very different games. But there is certainly data here for Man United to put up a challenge to Manchester City. Man United are unbeaten in eight Premier League games coming into this, while Manchester City lost their last home game to Tottenham. United have won four of the last five visits to the Etihad, and they've inflicted more home defeats upon Pep Guardiola than any other side. So I'm trying to be as optimistic as I possibly can. I'm not going to give Man United on the double chance market as a play, but the fact you're getting it at 21 to 10 or the best price of 23 to 10, which is available for a team that have already won four of their last five visits to the Etihad. And we've got a lot of the same players. Here. In fact, we've got better players. This is the best Man U team that we've had in, year, on, in years on paper. I think that Manchester United are a live dog tomorrow. And my tip would be to take both teams to score and look at Manchester United plus 1.5 goals. Both teams to score, as I said, the data is there. I went through it and I certainly think Manchester United can find a net against Manchester City tomorrow. That's it for me in this edition of Betting UFC. Good luck with all your bets as always and thanks for listening.